We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What NFL Week 12 and the weeks before that have showed us around the evolving landscape in fantasy football as we head towards those crucial fantasy football playoffs. For anyone playing at the FFPC, for example, this was a crunch week to try and get over the line to get into those playoff scenarios. And we are seeing Sean before the show had a a little bit of a smile on his face. We're seeing on Twitter some of the listeners who have snuck in over the finish line in that final spot. So I know Monday Night Football for a lot of people would have been nerve wracking, but I know people playing in their dynasty leagues, people playing in, for example, the Scott Fishbowl and other tournaments like that. Each week now becomes more and more vital to make sure you're in to the dance and then to see if you can get that all the way to to win the prize money or to to win the bragging rights at the end of the season so sean this is crunch time this is why we draft this is why then you crunch the waiver wires and another week or two and we'll be thinking about those best ball teams who will have advanced and we'll be hoping to get those to advance so very very exciting time of the year a crunch time and uh, looking forward to seeing how some of the players of the games we haven't discussed yet how they're kind of rest of season in this crucial part a lot of people talk about strength of schedule for the playoff part of fantasy football when we're in draft season who might be getting the the dream matchups in you know week 13 14 15 but the the teams have evolved from august and our perception of those to what they are now so i think uh we're in for a fun couple of weeks here and week 12 was one of the more fun weeks in terms of point scoring so Let's hope that continues now all the way through the playoffs here. Yeah, if we could get this dynamic in the fantasy playoffs, I think people would be a lot more fired up about the season as a whole, a lot more <laughs> fired up about just the the fun of watching these games and tracking these games down the stretch. Uh, ben and I had a Stealing Bananas team that we were hoping would get that fourth playoff spot in a really a four-team battle for the points in the last week. If you have not won, but you know, three or four teams you're going against, that can be a lot of fun to track. We got off to a great start on the first wave of games on Sunday, had a little bit of disappointment with Christian McCaffrey, but then get the points that we could really possibly expect from that team. And it comes down to Monday Night Football, where we need the Indianapolis Colts to hold George Pickens in check. And it turns out that what happened is that the Pittsburgh Steelers held George Pickens in check. So we are able to advance probably a little bit more on that on Stealing Bananas because we are obviously excited. Colin, it, it kind of depends. I mean, sometimes you have these teams that are limping toward the finish and they don't really have a realistic shot at 
the $1 million. Now, first, you know, you're trying to win your league in weeks 13 and 14, but then you're kind of looking on if you didn't get one of the first two spots to advance automatically into the playoffs, then you need to win your league playoffs in order to advance. Obviously, you want to win your league playoffs because that's the, the first thing you want to be the champion of those 12 teams you drafted with. But our particular team does have a lot of stars and some now emerging young players to balance those stars out, really round that team out. And it feels like a team that could win the whole thing. And so especially if you have a team with the hit players, you know, if you have a Jalen Hurts, an A.J. Brown, a Tyreek Hill, and then guys coming in behind them, like a Mostert or a P. Ryan to fill that RB2 slot, you've got Garrett Wilson now suddenly unleashed. You have Traylon Burks, he of the fantastic fumble recovery touchdown. Usually fumble recovery touchdowns end up pretty random. And not to say that this wasn't random, but, you know, there's a scrum and, and people are diving for it and the guy gets lucky. This one was the result of sprinting 80 yards down the field and making a play in the end zone. So I think he deserves a little bit of the credit for that. We actually advance based on that play, that margin. So it, exciting and looking forward to these next couple of weeks. Zachary Kruger and I have some teams doing really well in the FFPC best ball. As you mentioned, we'll be looking at that in a couple of weeks as we move into the playoffs but column a lot of changes this weekend as well we have not a fantastic game last night but an interesting game right you have the Steelers get out to a fast start their defense is dominating Matt Ryan who he had a very nice second half but in the first half of this game you understand why the owner <laughs> insisted he be benched why this was a part of the firing of the head coach I mean, he looked 150 years old. It was it was a little bit disconcerting just you know, from a regular health perspective, right? So the Steelers able to jump out here and they look solid in all facets. But as this game progresses, you still see the weaknesses that we talked about last week when they played the Cincinnati Bengals. They had that excellent first half and then the second half they come out, it's three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. Feels like they're punting very quickly throughout the whole thing. You have that same dynamic here where a couple of three and outs to start the second half really allow the Colts and this Matt Ryan to Jelani Woods connection to get back in it. Michael Pittman, again, more or less taken out of this game. You don't have the receivers involved at all, but he scores a physical touchdown, really a counterpoint to Deontay Johnson dropping a touchdown and suddenly the Colts are back into a game they probably had no business being in one of the issues here is that the Steelers still don't trust Kenny Pickett even though he's playing well in terms of going through it and kind of charting this out for myself I had them at 16 rushes to 12 passes on first and 10 in this game and that includes a little bit of a hurry up offense at the end of the first half. So it would be even a little bit more skewed if you take that out. Especially in a game where Najee Harris is not 100%, Jalen Warren not available as the backup. When you're going with Benny Snell, when you're going with Anthony McFarland, that's not really what you want to see to develop the young quarterback. Because then you're putting him in some of these situations where he has to pass and you have to make that play or else a punt comes up. So, I mean, they run pretty effectively in this game. You know, Benny Snell reminding people that, you know, I was a pretty decent college football player. That's the reason that I have managed to stick on this Pittsburgh team, even though I've looked very, very poor at the NFL level. A 12-62 and one game here. I mean, you could argue that this, uh, you know, one of the top two or three games of his career. 
a career highlight for sure. I was thinking of you, Sean, when I seen him getting into the end zone. Yeah, we did. We did have some enthusiasm for Benny Snell back in the day. Such a, a fun guy as well. It's easy to get behind these players who radiate that enthusiasm for football and for life. Unfortunately, he just doesn't appear to be athletic enough to be an impact player at the NFL level. Obviously, he tested poorly, all of those types of things. He had overcome that at the NFL level. We do see some players overcome it. We overcome it at the college level, and we do see some players overcome it at the NFL level. We're always encouraging you, you to be careful with these big slash medium-sized backs who test poorly, that some of the things they did in college, you know, it's a real coin flip as to whether they'll be able to do them in the NFL. And even when they do, it's usually not the profile that you really want. But if the player is inexpensive, those are the flyers you want to take. In this game, both Snell and McFarland run the ball effectively, highlighting again just how limited Harris seems to be. He goes out with a separate injury than what he had come in with. The problem here, I think, if you're looking at this from a zero RB perspective, is that if Warren is out, even though Snell and McFarland ran well in this game, those aren't the guys, and that's not the, the backfield mix that you can really feel comfortable targeting. We'll get more information throughout the week on what the Steelers are likely to do going forward. If you're staring at a zero, obviously someone like a Benny Snell becomes pretty interesting. Otherwise, you're going to be going in a different direction. But Colum, the, the story here was that even though this passing attack was more concentrated on the big three in this game, which is something that we had asked for in the previous week's shows, Still only eight targets for Deontay Johnson. He had asked for some more work in the previous week. He comes out. He gets still not the targets that he's used to, but he is the lead guy and he plays poorly. So that's not going to <laughs> reinforce the idea to target him here. He fails to make some contested catches on the field. He drops a beautifully thrown touchdown. So when you're looking at Kenny Pickett's line, if you add a beautifully thrown ball for a score onto that, it really changes how he looks. George Pickens, only the six targets. Now, he does catch the two-point conversion, but appeared to be getting open fairly consistently. You've got to be building your game plan to make Pickens the star. Now, I was very thankful for this because he was the guy that I needed to not score. But from an overall perspective, from a realities perspective, from the perspective of having Pickens on a lot of other teams, this is a pretty depressing game. Now, he also drops a sideline throw from picket that was absolutely beautiful not exactly drops but fails to make would have been a very nice play you could argue that Deontay Johnson's touchdown drop again certainly not a no-brainer type of play that's made all the time you want to see the guys go out and make plays for Pickett though when he's playing like this and lead to more passing volume really no reason for the Colts to be in this game but you do like the fact that Matt Ryan rallied in the second half you have Woods now as a very interesting dynasty target in deeper leagues jonathan taylor comes through and has a nice game there the colts uh, one of the big plays here a fumble between matt ryan and jonathan taylor at the goal line probably would have changed his stats might have changed the game Pittman comes through with 761 and one i said that he continues to struggle i think that's a situation where the fact that he's playing this well within this context a very positive note for him long-term. I don't necessarily think the people who were high on him as a talent preseason were wrong. It'll be interesting to see if the context allows him to be the kind of star people want him to be in the medium term. Again, one of these guys who 
not maybe as young as people are thinking, but still has a ton of time here to be a star, to have that window where you can play him and then trade him in Dynasty if you're looking at it from that perspective. But the Colts losing this game, I mean, there was that initial surge under Saturday. I don't think they're disappointed necessarily in how they played overall here, but obviously not a team that's going to be contending for the playoffs. Yeah, certainly not. And I, I don't think the Steelers are either. You know, for Monday Night Football, not the most exciting match, but lots of young players on display. And like you mentioned, uh, Jelani Woods, you know, he does have nine targets, eight receptions, 98 yards, the best game of his young career so far. Absolutely, you know, compared to stats and targets and catches and games before this, vastly exceeds any of those numbers versus what he had done. You mentioned Pittman and I do think the talent is definitely there with Pittman. Again, we were a little bit lower on him coming into the season, but I, I think that was more down to the quarterback he was tethered to in this situation and Matt Ryan. He also had a, a really nice contested catch in this game. So credit where credit is due overall, but it feels like this may be you know, the ceiling for him and the majority of contests as we move forward here. Well, Woods had some very nice contested catches as well. And so you contrast yeah. the way that the Colts receivers battled for the ball with some of the disappointing outcomes on the Pittsburgh side, even though it's in a loss and even though Matt Ryan really struggled, it was great to see the effort from these Indianapolis receivers. Yeah, 100%. Then on the other side, you know, I've said this, I could just record this and play this each time. There's good stuff from Pickett, there's bad stuff from Pickett, but overall, I think as a rookie quarterback, there's quite a bit to be positive about moving forward. But you mentioned some of the game planning. I think Pickens has looked good. He's looked explosive and and his opportunities, but yeah, there it feels like if you have a team that has Pickens, sorry, I said Pickett, I meant Pickens. If you have Pickens or Johnson, I think you're probably still putting those into the, your flex spots. It's going to be hard to set them unless you have a real, real depth left at the wide receiver position to, to slot those guys out. But there is going to be these weeks where it's, it's not going to get you the win, um, but it may also cost you the week. So that is the, the Steelers and the Colts. So I think 2023 for, for the Steelers moving forward is, is a bit brighter than the rest of season for them. Even in a down game, I mean, you can make the claim that Pickens is now, I mean, certainly a top 10 dynasty receiver and maybe even knocking on the door of the top five. It depends a little bit on how you prefer to play those guys who are 29, 30, right? But the throw the picket makes that leads to the 35-yard catch down the sideline. Everything is there for these guys to blow up. Instead of picking and choosing between Pickens and Deontay Johnson, and then in this game with Fryermuth, unfortunately, as an afterthought, seemingly the Colts wanting to take him out. These three guys have to play off of each other. And the, the one thing that we said could limit the Steelers this year is not that the quarterback play was going to be demonstrably worse than Ben Roethlisberger, who had massively struggled the past couple of seasons, but that simply they would take that same level of efficiency and really drain the volume out of the passing game, which unfortunately is what they had done. As you said, 2023 looks very, very bright. Pickens looks like a superstar, but it's tough for those teams that drafted other guys in that same range. There have been some positives for Thornton. There have been some positives for Sky Moore, even with another muff punt here, but I mean, you watch Alec Pierce in this game. There's just such a, a massive gap. George Pickens should have been a top 15 pick. And the fact that people talk about the Steelers every year hitting on one of these guys, and they would probably tell you, when we take the obvious best player, we're not sure what other NFL teams are doing. And so sometimes simple is best when you're making these wide receiver selections. Column, 
Bengals-Titans. It was really the headliner of last week, and yet we didn't focus on it a ton other than the Burks fumble recovery in our Monday recap. Yeah, I, I, this was the one when you mentioned earlier, I was going to, sometimes I'm trying to think which way we're going to segue in these. This was a game I think we both really wanted to get in the recap show when we did that recording on, on Sunday right after the game's finished, but uh, we're going to get to it now. But when you were talking about Burks, I was thinking, what is going to be our win bet segment today? And I was thinking, is it the heads up play of the week? But it's going to come up a little bit later, but trail on Burks real heads up play obviously the ball has to bounce in the right way for him but derrick henry is you know trucking along on that 69 yard reception that he has and i've often wanted the titans to do more screen passes or dump off passes like that to him get him in the open field it is very very if not impossible to stop him but a a tremendous defensive play on that where the ball is punched out but it bounces and, and burks is there to recover for that touchdown so Quite a quite an amazing play all around from Derrick Henry's athletic abilities, but the trail on Burks chasing that all the way down to the end zone. Heads up play by him, especially nice to see as a rookie going and doing that. But that doesn't get the job done for the Titans. They lose this one 22-16. Sean, I thought overall Joe Burrow looked really, really good for the majority of this. You know, obviously we're missing Jamar Chase, who we're hoping we're going to get back in week 13, which would be fantastic to see. That put a lot of expectations on the shoulder of t higgins which he absolutely took in his stride he has nine targets seven receptions 114 yards and a touchdown one of those being a 29 yard touchdown reception where he kind of he just bosses the the defensive back to make that play i thought overall the the talking points coming out of this is is how good higgins looked and then the second part is samaji p ryan who had to step in for you know full workload with joe mixon being out this past week goes 17 for 58 and one on the ground and then gets a further four receptions on seven targets for 35 through the air potentially we could have seen him get a little bit more from what he was given but i guess not a, not a disappointing return for him I, I know some people heavily relying on him this past week but looking at it sean t higgins doing t higgins things my question is going to be joe borrow here 270 yards passing one touchdown without jamar chase t higgins gets 114 receiving yards and the touchdown without jamar chase how do you think this is going to look with jamar chase do we see an extension obviously for borrow with the 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 passing efforts into touchdowns do we see t higgins lose a little bit i think we can see in this offense where this week we have nine targets to hayden hurst we have seven to samaji p ryan now i can see those guys losing out and, and higgins maintaining his his workload here the nine targets yeah, the weird part here is that Tyler Boyd puts up another dud, so he fails to take advantage yeah. of the Jamar Chase absence of his four targets. He only ends up with 16 yards. He slips coming out of his break on a play that would have given them a first down, visibly frustrated. So you get the 37 attempts from Burrow and for Boyd not to be involved. Uh, there's going to be plenty of volume here for both Chase and Higgins when it goes forward. The impressive note now for higgins is that he is up to ninth i believe in receiving yards despite having played two games where his snap count very very low due to injuries and so you look at the availability of him there and the names that he is behind for him to be at that spot very impressive and encouraging his yards per target up near the top of the nfl really the only guys still ahead of him would be the two Dolphins stars, and then Justin Jefferson. Now, some people like to sell yards per target, but 
the potential explosiveness there when you draw the targets is very important when we're looking at the overall upside opportunity. It's obviously a big component of yards per route that people are so enamored of. And it's one of the things that when you have a quarterback like Joe Burrow, your range of outcomes in any given game and then for a full season are going to be skewed much more to the high side when you contrast them to players who are dealing with much weaker quarterback play. And so when people are talking about drafting Higgins very early, and I, again, this season drafted him in one team at the 203. Now, most of the time I was looking for him at the 2-3 turn or even wrapping around into the early third round. But because of that range and because of what he brings to the table, I mean, the four touchdowns he has this season are disappointing. And so you could see positive regression there in terms of how much he scores down the stretch. He's just a physical mismatch. And you see that on his touchdown here. You know, people ask us for our pet peeves. It was one of the questions for the non-football show. And in some ways, that's just easier to answer from a football perspective because that's really where the pet peeves tend to come out. The thing that frustrates me the most in terms of NFL commentary and the way that these plays are actually called on the field is you see a receiver running his route all the way down the field and is being held stride for stride all the way. He goes up at the end, tries to make a play. There's not a flagrant pass interference, but he's continuing to get body and arm contact all the way through it. And the commentator says, you know, that's great. We love to see him play here. Let's let the guys play. The officiating guru will come on and say, yeah, I mean, there's no clear cut pass interference. That's the way that we want it. And yet if a guy actually fights through that as an offensive player, then it's called offensive pass interference. I mean, you can't just let one guy play. If we're going to let a defensive back hold all the way down the field, and as soon as the offensive player moves to discard that guy who's holding him, it's an offensive foul. And this is one of the things that we always used to see with Tony Gonzalez. So something happens every once in a while with Travis Kelsey, but definitely happens to a lot of these big bodied vertical receivers playing on the outside. They're held and held and held. And then as soon as they make their move, they're called for offensive pass interference. I thought it was a fantastic play by the officials to swallow the whistle on this one where Higgins does a nice job. And you can say too that maybe what he did is the perfect play because even though he definitely gives a shove to the defensive back to create separation and make this touchdown catch, he doesn't do the thing that people always talk about where his arm is completely extended. It's like, I mean, you got to have great control over your own body to shove in a way where you don't get extension, especially if the guy actually does get pushed off of you because the absence of that pressure coming back is going to have your arm go out for balance for yourself. It's not even necessarily a part of the push. It's for balance. But because you get that, you know, maybe one inch difference in terms of how far his arm actually extends, they don't call a foul. He makes the play after he's been held, scores a touchdown. This is huge for his fantasy day. It's huge for Joe Burrow's fantasy day. It's a huge play in the reality game where even though it was 20 to 16 and we had some games in the 70s this week, this was a great game. And Ryan Tannehill, I mean, he's not going to be the headline. You have, instead of a long touchdown pass to Derrick Henry, you get the fumble at the end and then the Trey Brooks recovery. Burks also has another 50-plus yard reception in this game where he goes up and makes the play. But Tannehill now looks good. He looks like the guy who came in and beat out Marcus Mariota, the guy who resurrected his career in Tennessee. Even just with a little bit of receiving firepower, you have Nick 
Westbrook Akine making some plays in this one. You have Robert Woods again looking completely washed up, only catching two of his six targets. But just a little bit of firepower at his disposal. Having a Traylon Burks, Ryan Tannehill looks like a not just a viable, but a slightly above average starting quarterback on a team that is good. And so this Bengals Titans game, obviously it's a rematch of an important playoff game from last season. It could be a game that foreshadows an important playoff game in 2022. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm continuing the theme, Sean, of what that means for the rest of the season. I, I think, you know, it's something we talked about with drafts. And obviously it doesn't affect season long at that point of the regular draft period, but obviously for best ball drafts and for people trying to stash players moving forward here. I do think Tannehill is safe as the quarterback here rest of season for the Titans moving forward. And it's gonna be interesting. We will touch on Atlanta later to see if we think maybe a quarterback change could potentially happen there before the end of the season. But the other part, Sean, I wanted to talk about and I teased it earlier, what was going to be the win bet segment for today's show, and it is going to be the win bet drive of the week i did tease this on the recap show but hats off have to go here to trevor lawrence but you can sign up today to receive a special sports offer at one bet bet 100 dollars win 100 dollars download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning today but sean this game quite spectacular in terms of how it finishes up it finishes 28 27 to the jacksonville jaguars tough loss for the baltimore ravens on the road here a game that they controlled throughout but they had to settle for field goals on a number of occasions and that's really what came back and, and costed them in this one they do get a two-point conversion in their final drive to put them up seven they're probably thinking at that time we're going to go we're going to at least tie this game go to overtime jacksonville have to go down the field they have fourth down on that drive they're having to push the ball through the air and trevor lawrence does just that over and over again as he leads them to a touchdown that goes the way of marvin jones one that i thought that obviously we talk about some of these decisions it didn't get overturned they said his shin came down in bounds i didn't know if he'd control the football but don't let that take away from the spectacular nature of this final drive by trevor lawrence he is the star of the week in my opinion i've mentioned a number of times in the early weeks of the season it looked like things were really turning around for him the last couple of weeks it hasn't been as hot but this game he goes for 321 yards just eight completion or incompletions in the game three touchdown passes looks i i thought fantastic i thought this was the the drive not just of the week but the drive of his career so far and how he looked in that obviously the the disappointing news from the jacksonville side in this one would have been that travis Etienne went out injured did not come back in they have said that he was cleared but we'll see more as the injury report goes on through the rest of the week a lot of the running back work here going to 
Jamichael hasty in the backfield but the other player I wanted to highlight Sean who are looking rest of season is Zay Jones who has had a, a kind of a I guess career resurgence or a career possibly even breakout obviously gets uh, drafted in 2017 in the second round by Buffalo never really hits the heights maybe that they would have hoped there but this season so far he is having a strong year but the last couple of weeks have been very good he has 14 targets here 11 receptions 145 yards so a key component to the success of the Jaguars this week but I just thought Trevor Lawrence looked fantastic Lamar Jackson had some struggles in this the Ravens have had their struggles in general obviously missing some of their their key pass catchers has not helped but where I want to move to from that point Sean is your Kansas City Chiefs they are now nine and two and they're obviously in competition with the Ravens who are at seven and four they've really fallen back I think at this point just between the Chiefs and the Ravens for the AFC number one seed they get a really under strength Los Angeles Rams who have no Matthew Stafford reports that he may not play again for the rest of the season overall I don't know if you would say it's like a college strength side that that was fielded by by the Rams but they have Bryce Perkins at, at QB not much happening there not much happening from any any perspective so we bounce over to the side where it was happening and like I mentioned with the um Jaguars they are not with the Jaguars with the the Ravens they had some trouble punching it into the end zone at certain points of this game they get 26 points on the board Mahomes again another game just standard over 300 yards for Patrick Mahomes I had seen during the Packers game that Aaron Rodgers up until that game had gone 15 straight games under 300 yards which was a career long obviously that was extended on Sunday night football but Mahomes continuously putting up those yardage numbers incredible stuff from him going to get your thoughts Sean what was the the key takeaways here you've mentioned twice uh, on this show and the last show Sky Moore fumbled a punt he had some positives in this one had a play called back which was a big play called back by penalty um what was your overall thoughts and what's the the keynotes for the the Chiefs here as we we head towards the fantasy playoffs oh Ronald Jones Ronald Jones was active Sean that's the keynote he was we'll see if that happens again they have signed he looked fantastic on that 22 yard reception well i mean ronald jones easily has the most burst of any of these guys he goes out there on the field and it's night and day different than anybody that they have fielded to this point unfortunately his run play is not particularly well blocked and you know you could say that about edwards alaire and, and pacheco and you know we don't necessarily make that excuse for them pacheco looks good on his touchdown run here the seas sort of part and then he punches it through but when you have 22 carries for him, four for Jones, those guys just give you three yards per carry. Again, we're right back to the situation where they don't have the balance in the offense. I think that Melvin Gordon, outside of the Denver Broncos, could be the guy that gives them some spark. He's also, despite all the negatives being assigned to him right now, a better receiving back than anybody the Chiefs have healthy. Jarek McKinnon only catches three of his six targets in this one. And it's just not 100%. I mean, McKinnon, in last year's reality playoffs, when he was feeling good, he added that juice for him. He's not doing it right now. The Rams played hard defensively in this one. I think you have to give them credit for that. Their one big letdown was on the Travis Kelsey touchdown, where they let him rumble for 39 yards, and it almost looked like defensive indifference. The effort to tackle him on that play was terrible. <laughs> Through the rest of the game, they locked him down, right? Only catches half of his targets, only goes for 57 yards. So he only gets 18 other yards in this game this was a little bit more like we expected the chiefs to play coming into the season where you have that balance between mvs who actually makes a nice catch a decent game juju smith schuster 
Sky Moore, more leading the receiving group, really the, the most catches of anyone on the team. Again, look good in that intermediate role, but they have Watson, Fortson, all of these guys catching passes, Noah Gray. If we go forward like that, it could neutralize some of the weapons. So if you are playing against teams that have Chiefs and you don't have a lot of exposure, in part because this was your projected outlook for them, I think that you know you, you have a mild bit of encouragement there. You don't necessarily want to be facing Mahomes like Ben and I will be in the semifinals of our contest this week. But yeah, I, I mean, this was a, a workman-like effort and the type of game that you expect to see from them playing a team like the Rams. It's been crazy how the schedule has opened up for Kansas City. It looked like it was going to be this absolute gauntlet that they would have to run. Now it actually looks like one of the weaker schedules in football. They had the Broncos coming up twice. That will also be interesting. If Melvin Gordon actually does become someone who ends up on the regular roster the Chiefs so much fantasy potential going forward but two teams column that do not have that the Washington Commanders and the Atlanta Falcons it's sort of a throwaway line from the show the other night I mentioned that as you're watching this game you are becoming desperate for Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell Taylor Heineke wins a game in which he throws for 138 yards looks absolutely awful but the big story here ones are a quarterback stat though sean aren't they ones are a quarterback well stat. When, I, when i do stealing bananas i'll joke with ben that taylor heineke is saving the day for the commanders get get him going a little bit on that one uh but while we're doing our <laughs> our straight show here <laughs> gotta point out that heineke man it does not look good i mean the, the falcons should have won this game because the quarterback play from Washington was so poor, but they do not because he's matched by Mariota, who throws a bad interception at the end, bad slash, a little bit unlucky. But you have a game here where Brian Robinson and Zachary Kruger, our guy who has been on the Robinson train from the beginning, he was disappointing coming into this week. I had mentioned him in the zero RB playbook last week as one of seven running backs who had managed to be below two and a half yards after contact and below one and a half yards before contact. One of these backs who getting a lot of touches but turning every play into a low-value play where you don't have the explosiveness, the blocking, and the vision to get through the line. And then when you get hit, you don't have the athleticism and the big play ability that when you do break a tackle, number one, you have to break the tackle. And then number two, you have to have the speed to do something with it. He hasn't had any of those things. And then this week, he looked back. And so again, he comes back so quickly from the injuries that he suffered in that unfortunate incident. And we don't know how much of his very pedestrian performance has been related to that. We don't know how much of it is related to this poor commander's offense. We don't know how much is related to the fact that he's a rookie, right? He's an old rookie. He's a rookie. He played for a million years at Alabama, but he is a rookie. And we do see some of these guys get more comfortable with what their role is going forward. He had two plays in this game, Colin, that were incredible. People will obviously note the receiving touchdown. And if he's able to take some receiving value, then his fantasy upside in the playoffs could explode. I mean, it's just a dump off, right? But the fact that he bulldozes the first offensive back and then a second. And he bulldozes. Man, he, I mean, that he, guy. Is... He takes him from the five-yard line. Yeah. yeah. And then once <laughs> there, gets... there was another, one other in this, it was a rush attempt, but he gets absolutely stonewalled as he's trying to run. Takes like half a step back and just 
continues to move forward, <laughs> moves on for another four yards. Well, on that he is, uh, he's he a breaks year. the second tackle at the goal line. That player should have had him down as well. He gets out on the edge once and makes a long run where like, I mean, that guy looks athletic. And one of the problems with all of these Alabama running backs and one of the issues with Brian Robinson is that he plays behind all of these guys. Like how good can someone be who played behind Harris, who is not good at all. All of those guys created plays at Alabama behind NFL offensive lines. And then they go to the NFL and the opposing team has NFL players. These guys didn't test well coming out of college. They're more the committee back type, even though they're thrust into that starter role. Someone like Josh Jacobs even taken in the first round. Now, because you're taken in the first round, you have a chance to play and play and play and play and go through a hot stretch like Josh Jacobs had. And I don't want to say it's just a hot stretch. It's very possible that he is now fully emerged as a full-blown star, one of the best players in the NFL. Come, We're going to do a show on that later in the week, how his game stacks up to the historically great games. But there are plenty of reasons for concern about all of these Alabama backs We've watched how repeatedly they underperform what people expect them to do. I think this was a key performance from Robinson from that perspective. He just, he looked great. And then you go to the other side, Tyler Algier again looks athletic, but the way that they're using the running backs in Atlanta, they have no value. The way they're using the receivers. This was a game where you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, Drake London has flashed what they saw when they made him a top 10 pick, but he's been worthless for fantasy because the Falcons don't pass the ball. And when they do, even though he scored no fantasy points, it does still tend to be to Kyle Pitts. And then when Pitts is out, maybe we'll see something now. What we saw was that Zacchaeus gets twice as many targets. He has the big play toward the end of the game to kind of save his day. Marcus Mariota, again, only completes 15 passes. I don't want to say the Drake London dream is dead, but it's a serious hibernation until we get some kind of sign that Arthur Smith will like want to win football games or will drop a game plan that is designed to win football games. I mean, you can say that the Falcons are trying to stay in the playoff race here (laughs) because the Buccaneers also lost. They are staying in the playoff race, but with the schedule that they've had and the opportunities they've had to win some of these additional games, a mildly competent NFL coach would have the Atlanta Falcons like three games clear in the division. I mean, is this a a situation where you might get a coaching change in season to launch the Falcons and Drake London into the reality playoffs? I don't think based on how the season is going, I think the best we can hope for Sean is a quarterback change. They are unbelievably tied with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for first place, but obviously the the Buccaneers have one less game played. So just, uh, yeah, all teams in that division now have a losing record. We have the Panthers and the Saints at four and eight. We have the Falcons and the Buccaneers with five wins, Falcons with seven losses, Bucks with six losses. I'm rooting hardcore for the Carolina Panthers here. Yeah, that'll, that'll be the fun the fun story. And even with their carousel of quarterbacks that they've put out this season. I mean, Colin, if but this was Moore not keeps a... his helmet on, the Panthers maybe are the favorite in this division. I mean, obviously, yeah, they wouldn't they, be the they, favorite, but they'd be right there. Everybody would they, be tied in the win column. And frankly, the win column is all that matters <laughs> when you're as bad as these teams are. Where are they going to get extra wins from? Well, where they, they're going to get extra wins is they play each other. So 
yeah that's where all their wins are going to come from but yeah my, i'll have a final question Sean, for you in a second but the, usually the problem is marcus mariota has thrown the ball 18 times he does throw a 25 here but again only the four targets go in the way of Drake london and this so that was a, a major disappointment but when we look then at these two quarterbacks i i don't think heineke is going to get benched based on the way their season's going even though he is somebody who's i think holding this team back but we'll see we'll see what happens there who who gets uh where's the quarterback change coming from first do you think are you with me that it's atlanta do you think it might be washington and and i think the favorite is is still because of who's coaching these teams that that we don't get any quarterback changes in 2022 the falcons have to only be a game or so away i don't really think that this is necessarily on Mariota. we're kind of joking about his play here he carries six times for 49 yards and those are big plays his ability to work through what he's being asked to do and run the offense that he's being asked to run has actually been you know reasonably impressive we talk about quarterback wins for the commanders and obviously do that sarcastically i mean for atlanta and arthur smith is it like quarterback close losses (laughs) i mean what are the goals that the atlanta falcons have in these particular games it seems like close losses are probably i mean if you're delivering close losses and you're marcus mariota then you're accomplishing Arthur Smith's objectives. No, I mean, I really want to see Mariota succeed at the NFL level. This is one of the reasons why I'm so disappointed with the offense. I mean, there are bigger reasons we're disappointed with it, but Mariota, again, one of the guys who seems like a great person, a good leader. He has that dual threat ability that's been so important in 2022. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. The tip pass at the end that's intercepted when they're going in for the win. I mean, they had this game won. That part, again, is going to be a little bit unlucky. Most quarterbacks of the clear starter variety probably don't make that play. But we've watched you know, someone like an Aaron Rodgers throw the ball and get tipped repeatedly in key situations this season. It happens to all of these guys. He's doing what he's supposed to do. I don't think that they believe that Ritter can do that. To run a very conservative offense and not make mistakes, convert third downs, run when you're asked to run, Complete passes in an offense where Zacchaeus is essentially your wide receiver one. That will be a tough ask for a rookie QB who was not considered to be a great prospect by most evaluators. Colin, we felt like he's a guy who probably could play and would be interesting from a fantasy perspective if he did. But certainly not a prospect at the level of a Sam Howell. And so when you're pushing for change in Atlanta... I mean, even though these guys are kind of interesting because of who the coach is and because of the overall talent level on the team, I mean, in fairness to Arthur Smith, when I mean, he's not dealing with a loaded roster top to bottom, any quarterback who is not a flat-out star is going to go in and have some <laughs> trials and tribulations on this team. Yeah, and I think the other part is they're, one of the problems is they are still in contention for the division. The other part is that they couldn't have expected to be in contention with the Buccaneers to win this division at the start of the season and you know I think they whether that is going for it with Mariota or changing quarterback and go for I think that the the Falcons have to to really go all out to try and see if they can they're not going to overcome the Buccaneers by by playing the pedestrian where they have so far this season but Sean one game to finish up you teased as well the Josh Jacobs show that'll be coming out later in the week but the final game is the Miami Dolphins Houston Texans Texans have nothing at the moment, so we'll not really talk about them very much. And the Dolphins were thirty to zero up at the half, and and pretty much sat down the guys to 
to finish things off here. It did get interesting when the, the Texans did mount a little bit of a comeback, but Waddle and Hill finished with 85 yards, Waddle with the five receptions, Hill with the six receptions. So even though they didn't play the whole game, those numbers will still sustain you through this week. Hopefully it was enough of, you know, I know there'll definitely be some people listening who needed another one to two points from those guys and obviously didn't get it because they're they're sat down. But the, the Dolphins look really good here, Sean. Jeff Wilson left for a little bit, looks to be okay moving forward. Um, I guess there's probably nothing more to say on that game. I think the, the Dolphins look really good. Their players look really good for the playoffs. <laughs> and that's about that. Is that what we're saying about the this game? Yeah, and, and this one was tough. I had to make a couple of difficult decisions with Burrow versus Tua this week and went with Burrow despite the fact that you're concerned that the Titans will be able to limit them as they did but the threat of Miami not playing their guys in the second half, it did end up working out that way and neutralizing to his performance, even though he does get to the 36 passes. And so from that perspective, if they had just gotten a couple more in the end zone here, if you get in the end zone with Waddle or Hill, then their days are yeah, okay. I mean, they get 19 days. targets. Yep. And so you're not going yep. to, between the two of them combined, so you're not going to get too much more than that. The frustrating part, I think... And that's very positive for moving forward as well, because, you know, if they're, if they're getting that in basically two and a half quarters it's it's very positive yeah i mean it's not it's not impossible as crazy as it sounds that they would be the overall wide receiver one and wide receiver two rest of season justin jefferson Devonte adams stefan diggs going to have a say in that on the houston side another disappointing game where because of what the team is bringing to the table damian pierce who flashed I don't want to say signs of greatness, but flashes of a very solid NFL runner. He's limited to just eight yards on the five carries here. Dare gets in the end zone. You know, if you're playing Pierce, because you almost have to, unless you have a lot of really good options, not just at the running back position, but also with the flex to get this kind of game, that's going to be pretty disappointing. He does add on the three receptions. But you're not getting anything from Brandon Cooks. You're not getting anything from Nico Collins. Those guys do combine for 14 targets, but Kyle Allen was not the solution in this first game. And in fairness, nobody thought that he was going to. Houston's rebuild not progressing well because as they've churned their roster, they're not landing any of these young elite talents that you can build from. And so both from a reality and a fantasy perspective, that part does stay pretty tricky yeah the rebuild that feels like it needs to be restarted um but that is going to do it for today's show once again brought to you by blue wire and WinBet. you can check out all of sean's work up on rotaviz.com including some of the stuff we will talk about later this week with our josh jacobs show sean looking through some of the historical performances and how jacobs performance in week 12 matches up to that with other stuff obviously included in there as well but that is going to do it for this episode. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Over to Marlin, and you can check out, as I mentioned there, all of Sean's work up on rotaviz.com. Until we are back, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.